All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Thought Train. Tonight is a very special episode. I hope you're interested in the first ever late night drunk cast episode of Tall Tom's Thought Train. It is I, your conductor, Tall Tom, followed by two extraordinary gentlemen, a voice who you might recognize, and a new voice to the episode here. We have our recurring guest here, Mr. Tucker Wetzel, the only man I know to smoke an entire cigarette in one breath, and Austin Econi, the only man I know who says that Avatar the movie, the book was a lot better. And, uh, you know, Tucker, I know you've been on here before, but let's have Austin, the handsome gentleman in the blonde hair and the, well, handsome face, introduce himself first. Well, Tom, there's not much to say. My name's Austin. And that's about it. Oh, I like that. And that's why I like you, Austin. That's why we've always uh, been friends here. Well, everybody already knows I hate Game of Thrones, Tom, so I've got that going for me. You know, I think we should start this episode off on just the hateful foot here. Austin, what's something you hate? Wall Street, right now. Let's let's just get it going. Let's just dive in. Tucker, do you know what's going on on Wall Street? Tom, you know I've been monitoring that pretty closely. Uh, no kidding here when I say that I've been following Wall Street, uh, what's going on on Wall Street since day one of the GameStop selling. And this is going to be a very topical opinion when I say that this might only last like five more days because everything in the news cycle only lasts five days. And what's going on right now is essentially just a giant meme with GameStop trading uh, upwards of $300 right now. I'm not exactly sure the exact number at 8.17 p.m. on this Friday evening. But uh, it's been fun. I've been a member of the Wall Street Bets subreddit since the beginning months of it. And I got really invested in the fight for uh, everything Wall Street Bets since they decided to quietly put that com- subreddit on private and also block my Discord server for it. So there's a lot going on. Uh, gentlemen, it's not a pretty situation. Robinhood has decided to say, hey, we're going to go ahead and close off. You know, if you want to buy more GameStop, you can't do that. But if you want to sell GameStop, you can only do it at like one stock a time, for example. I can't think of anything specific because I don't have access to my Robinhood account. I've been trying to get access to that again for three months. And... I would probably be retired right now because I have a lot of Dogecoin in that Robinhood account, but Robinhood support can literally suck my ass. Guys, um, I've done a lot of talking about that, but uh, it's not pretty when it comes to trading. And we live in America where we experience a free market. There's a lot I said here. What do we want to talk about? Well, Tom, I guess explain it for us that aren't as uh, tech savvy as you are. Um, well, essentially, Robinhood is. Oh, I hope you guys heard me crack my knuckles there. That was very satisfying. Robinhood is one of the premier uh, trading apps, stock trading apps that you will see on the App Store or Google Play Store. You'll get it on there if you listen to. You know, more mainstream podcasts. It's typically one of the advertisements you'll hear. You can get a free stock from it. It's extremely user-friendly. However, they went ahead and decided to block off certain stocks from trading, specifically stocks that were being mentioned on Twitter, Reddit, all these things. Like GameStop's the big one that jumped over 300% in a few days. Um, 
Nokia, if you guys remember the awesome brick cell phones that were Nokia that you could throw into a microwave and receive a full charge out of it afterwards. Uh, Best Buy made a comeback, if you guys can believe that. Sorry, Best Buy, I mean Blockbuster, the video rental store and stuff like that. Um, what everybody deemed a doomed company, they decided to go ahead and block because people were... The common man was making too much money. So basically, Robin Hood shoved the middle finger up and said, screw you, common man. You're making too much money and taking money away from the hedge fund managers who are making millions off of literally gambling in our economy. So what do we say? Or do I need to explain more? I can obviously do that. You know, from what I've been reading about, all that stuff going on didn't basically those initial like redditors or whoever started investing aren't they millionaires now um the people who were in on the ground floor of investing in gamestop the people who invested you know three hundred dollars initially for example i don't have the exact numbers of what they made and i doubt they'll ever tell us because they are happily living an early retirement um they are absolutely millionaires, and the rest of us are "quote unquote" holding the line, as they say, just to win, just to prove a point to hedge fund managers, saying, "Hey, you're playing the game, and we want to play it too, but you guys can play it for free. But we have to go through, we have to jump through about 500 hoops that are on fire, and also dangling in shark-infested waters. So that's that's it. So it's kind of weird that a lot of people on Reddit who probably already made their millions." are saying hold the line and don't pull your money out yet when they've probably already made like, you know, a million dollars or maybe a hundred thousand or so. It's weird that they're doing that, but I guess it's all, it's not about the money Tucker and Austin. It's about sending a message. We do live in a society. This says a lot about our society. Hell, I'd take a million dollars. You know, I, you know what? If I were in on the ground floor, I would take my million dollars and tell everybody else to, you know, hold the line. Hold the line and, you know, it might make you go bankrupt, but fuck it if it doesn't show somebody on Wall Street, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. Austin and I were talking the other night, Tucker. We were uh, playing a good old rousing game of uh, Cold War, Black Ops Cold War. And as I can recall, we were on Crossroads. And he brought up the good point of living, you know, this is a free market society for people who can pay for it. This is getting way too serious. Uh, Tucker, if you could make your million dollars and run with it off of GameStop, would you do it? Oh, 100%. Austin? No question. I'm always looking for that big score. Oh, absolutely. Hands down. No questions asked. This leads to a very interesting question for myself. Austin, you were in our Xbox party a few days ago when uh, Tucker and I were talking about starting our mango farm down in Tahiti and just watching the sunset in our ridiculously underpriced piece of land. Would you uh, be happy to join us as an investor? Absolutely. I'll throw my life savings in on that. If Tucker and I ask you asked you to help us rob a train would you do it i've already got my bandana on all right good because we have a train coming in in about two hours after this podcast is done recording so we're going to go ahead and rob that bnsf line for i don't know about five bucks i mean nobody really rides the bnsf and if you can actually decide to pull off a breaking bad episode and get some coal off of that line and decide to sell it for literally pennies on the dollar well feel free but we're gonna have that mango farm in tahiti damn it yes we will uh, you know, giving us some background here into some mangoes and other fruit that grows on trees, all three of us just so happened to be uh, recent graduates of our School of Forestry. 
uh, do you guys do you want to go ahead and you know give us a little bit of information about ourselves here? Uh, docs or school? I mean, I've already said what school I go to. I mean, would uh, how far are you willing to go down the rabbit hole for this podcast? We'll let Austin go first. Well, Tom, what are you what are you looking for? Well, I mean, I've already said I graduated SIU. Are you bold enough to say what school you graduated from? I graduated, I graduated from the same school as you, Tom. Tucker? Go dogs. We're SIU. all taking the cannonball into the deep end. We all graduated from SIU. We're all foresters, and God damn it, we're not afraid to talk about it. We all have a nice little affinity for trees, and we all have our own little niches in our community here. And also, we just so happen to have a nice affinity for drinking whiskey. And I mentioned this at the beginning of the episode. You know, uh, this is the first ever Thought Train drunk cast. Uh, I am drinking. So, well, at this point, I am. I didn't think I was a lightweight gentleman. <laughs> but after taking, uh, drinking a nice little whiskey on the rocks and taking one shot, I'm feeling a decent buzz. I am. Um, I'm kind of ashamed of myself. What have you guys been drinking tonight? I'm drinking some Old Smoky uh, whiskey. It's the Mango Habanero brand here. Oh, disgraceful! <laughs> oh, Tom. It's not even that bad. Like after um, I had a friend of mine recently pass away, a uh, little unexpectedly. Uh, after his funeral, me and my friends, his closest friends, and I. We got good and drunk, as somebody should after a funeral. The only times acceptable to get absolutely shit faced, in my opinion, are your what your you know your wedding night at your reception, and uh, your you know any funeral of a close friend. And we got hammered on whiskey, and I was drunk into the next day. I broke my toe that night. I didn't know that until two days later because I was drunk <laughs> the rest of the day. Uh, and here I am now, um, two essentially two shots down, and I'm feeling pretty buzzed off of this mango habanero whiskey. I've not been able to drink whiskey since that funeral, but this is the first whiskey I've been able to drink straight. So uh, I, I don't know what to think about that. I think it's a blessing in disguise, honestly. Nothing wrong with being a cheap date. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> right. You know, this is... Uh, I'm going to take a shot right here right now. I've had this prepped in my freezer since last weekend. I've been looking really forward to doing this drunk cast with you gentlemen. Uh so I'm going to go ahead and take a shot and just see where this lands us. And, uh, well, we're about 10 minutes in. And let's see how many more shots I can take before the end of this episode. Uh, Tucker, what are you drinking? I'm drinking Crown Royal Vanilla with a little oh, bit of Hang on. I'm dying. <laughs> it's, the, it's the habanero in the mango. That's a, It's very smooth, but you let that habanero get to you. And, uh, oh. We're only farming mangoes, Tom. We're not no, we're not doing habaneros. habaneros. You know, if they want to get habaneros, they can go to up to Tijuana or something like that. Who? Where do they grow habaneros? Literally anywhere, I think. I think when I was a weed lad and growing plants was all hip, and I realized now that when my eighth grade friends said that they're growing plants, they weren't growing habaneros in their mom's garden like how I was. They were probably growing some marijuana. Um. Yeah, I, I tried growing some habanero peppers when I was in eighth grade, and those sons of bitches, they did not, they didn't bloom. I water those guys every morning, and I just, I got no flowers. I don't have a green thumb, but I really wish I grew those habaneros, and even to my friends, it's kind of a prank, like, hey, here's this bell pepper I grew. Congratulations, guys, and, you know, watch them just suffer in pain. 
Yeah, as a forester, I'm not. Yeah, I don't have a green thumb. But Tucker? No, I was gonna say as a growing up too, I was a big mom's little gardener kid, so I was always planting stuff and growing things. Kind of got away from that a little bit. But... Tucker, can I get you a shirt that says "Mom's Little Gardener"? <laughs> <laughs> Tucker, I yes, think you would actually can. appreciate that. But, well, guaranteed. Well, maybe not so much anymore since I don't really speak to my real brother. Right. Um, so I've got that going for we me. We can say uh, daddy's little um, Changing the Yeah, daddy's little <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I Change, think that's even better. Changing the subject here, complete 180. Tom, I'm no longer an Illinois resident or am I connected? Absolutely to not. Whatsoever. You've washed nope. hands of our Got state. my Arizona life. Wash the hands of the you state. You are a lucky man. You Completely. know, I think all of us who live here in Illinois, uh, we've all gone through the old Southern Illinois initiation. We've all lived in Carbondale. We've all gotten out of Carbondale, except for me. Uh, you guys are th- uh, you guys are absolutely lucky. I think all of our goals here as foresters, and not only as foresters, but dedicated Illinois citizens, we're trying to do our part to our country our not our country but our state we're all doing our part to get the fuck out of here because all illinois citizens should do uh tucker is now a happy resident of arizona and that makes me kind of sad because well i'll never see him as an illinois citizen again but i'll see him as a happy arizonian citizen austin what are you doing what's your uh what's your end game well i'm currently up in northern illinois uh unfortunately my (laughs) Likings because I have a deep seething hatred for Chicago. Growing up as a you Central watch Illinois your mouth. Boy. You're talking to a Chicagoan right here. Oh, okay, suburbs. Okay, suburbs. But uh, the end goal is to get out of Illinois. Uh, as for exactly where, not sure. But Illinois is planning to be gone within the next year and a half. Okay, you know. Uh... I'm still down here in Carbondale and I've gone through quite the experience over these past few weeks. Uh, you know, Carbondale has been, if any of you are familiar, this is going to be a very Carbondale thing to say. This is a very inside joke to those of you who know about it. And for those of you who don't, well, you're now in the know. Uh, Carbondale has been going in a very interesting direction. There are a lot of, uh, as us Carbondaleans like to say, uh, Carbondale crackheads walking the street. Oh uh, yes. And, uh, Anybody who's lived down here, anybody who's gone to SIU, anybody who's from the area can lovingly say they've had their own run-in with uh, Crackhead here in Carbondale. And, well, I can officially say I've been blessed by being held up by one. Held up, not at gunpoint, but just saying, like, he said he wanted to have my car or I'd be in a mess of trouble. So uh, I've been blessed, gentlemen. I've actually been given the old Carbondale baptism. I mean, it's not a Carbondale thing unless you've been followed into a bar and asked for money before. So, oh, that's happened plenty of times. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I walked into one of the liquor stores down here, and I saw this guy walking around outside, and I thought, oh, you know, he's probably just walking past me, and you know, God knows, I get out to my car, he doubles back, sees me coming back, and he goes, "Hey, you looking for a, you looking for a good time? You know, sir, I'm not looking for a good time. I'm just looking to get back to my apartment and drink alone. Thank you very much." You know, Tom, maybe he just wanted to hang out. Did you ever ask what the good time was? I I guess I never really got into specifics with him. I was just so immediately appalled. I never decided to ask him, like, you know, what was the good time? Are we going hang gliding or, 
we going to go swimming on, you know, Miami beach? Are you going to give me a reach around? What's going on? <laughs> All of those sound like good options to me personally. Personally, but... um, I'd go for the uh, hang gliding, but the reach around is a close second. All I got to say is they close pinch and there's nothing. If for you me are a Carbondale resident, if you have been down to SIU, if you've even passed through Southern Illinois, you know, pinch penny pub was a staple of our economy. And they went ahead. And God, closed bless that. God bless. God bless pinch. They, uh, I actually heard something, gentlemen, this might just turn into the Carbondale podcast. And for all of our Carbondale homies and home messes uh, for the John Davis, I'll give you a shout out. Cause I know you listen to this now. Uh, the John Davis, you know who you are. Uh, and for you two here, the deal that made Pinch close their doors and decide to not, uh, you know, be a bar anymore, that fell through. So they just closed for no reason at this point. Well, absolutely. Seriously? I think they dodged a bullet because they closed right before, um, what, they closed right at the end of 2019. Yeah. So going into 2020, they really, really missed the shitstorm. Yeah, they didn't know that COVID would have been a thing, but you know, I mean, this might as well be a Carbondale podcast. Most of my listeners come down from here, so I'll go ahead and we can keep talking about this. Absolutely, uh, Carbondale Pinch Penny Pub. You know that goes out to uh, you know the Massachusetts Pinch Penny Pub. You can go fuck yourself. Uh, we had a nice beer garden back here. I'm talking a nice, decently sized beer garden. And if Pinch were to have stayed open, I absolutely believe. They would have survived COVID because, you know, you go through, you guys will drive through your towns. And Tucker, I know Arizona is different, but Austin being up north where it's a little bit more uh, liberal, you will see a number of uh, businesses with, you know, they will have built up some sort of uh, temporary like dining place for their uh, diners. They'll have like little cabins for their diners or like little bubbles made of plastic, stuff like that. Yes. Um. I think Pinch Bunny could have just gotten away with not even doing that, just spacing their tables six feet apart from other tables because they had a beautiful beer garden. I mean, that was probably the biggest one I've seen out of all the bars I've been to in my life. I mean, they had a, they had a beautiful venue for live music going on. You could play like about six games of bags um, spread out lengthwise. So I'm talking side by side by side and still have room for activities. Well, they had a whole stage out there for bands, too. Exactly. It was just one of the best bars. And once you to, – to anybody who's listening to this podcast, if your bar has closed or will be closed whenever COVID is done, after all the vaccines are given, if your bar is closed, this goes out to you because the three of us, our favorite bar closed. Our place that we would go to after Forestry Club – you know what? We'll get into Forestry Club here in a second. But the place we would go to after Forestry Club meetings is gone – the days of $6.50 burger baskets are gone. The $1 rails, everything that we held true to our club is no longer here. So what are we to do? Cry. That's what I'm about to do. I'm is reminiscing there, too much, Tom. Is there, is, is Tucker, there I'll tell you right now, as here? of uh, <laughs> January 29th, 2021, I have passed off the... Uh, the Forestry Club tests, you know, SIU, we have a very good history. You know, if you're listening to this and you come from Mizzou, if you come from UW-Stevens uh, Point, if you come from UW-Purdue, anywhere like UW-Purdue, yes. If you just come from Purdue University, you know that SIU is a force to be reckoned with. 
And uh, congratulations, you have literally been given a free pass to at least the top second or third position at any Timber Sports competition now. We don't have a Forestry Club anymore, boys. I'm sad to admit it. Yep. Yeah. Another shout-out here goes to Chase. Chase is the only living, uh, only current member of our Forestry Club. That man, he, he lives on Forestry Club. And I'll, <laughs> give him, I'll give him that. Chase, <laughs> it's that it was Tombstone. Chase, I hope you listen to this episode because this is a dedicated shout-out to you. We care about you. And keep please reinforce the Southern Illinois University at Carpendale's Forestry Club. Got to keep it alive, bud. So we just talked about Forestry Club. We talked about Pinch. Gentlemen, what was Forestry Club? What did we do there? Oh, it was a source of happiness. Timber sports, drinking, uh, just party, get together. Um, Camaraderie, absolutely. It was the place where I came down here as as a boy who came from the suburbs of Chicago. I was probably the farthest away from the good old boys of forestry that we could have had. And that's when I met you, and we got ourselves into a nice little – friendship going on here and then Austin and I got ourselves involved in friendship when it came to trying to compete in our forestry club competitions here uh it was something that you would we're probably never going to see the likes of again here in Carbondale in the SIU chapter of uh forestry clubs in timber sports because it was you know you would roll up and it was some sort of family that you'd absolutely feel welcomed into like I could not believe how close I felt to the amount of people who were in our chapter of Forestry Club after uh, just day one. I was like, I got there to our site where we would chop wood, where we would uh, have bonfires, everything like that. And I met with Tucker, who was uh, him and his lovely lady, Anastasia, were. And Tucker told me about Forestry Club. I was like, yeah, I'll check it out. And I did. And I met at least of uh, the number of people who were in the club. I met at least a third of them. And I was like, wow, I just met 10 people today. And I feel like I made a connection with absolutely all of them. It was some sort of family, gentlemen. And we lost that. It's a very relaxed group of people. Very, very good people. You know, you may. Oh, no, that was it. No, that was it. Okay, well, I was going to say, I mean, as being the formal, one of the former presidents, uh, it's uh, it's a weird, it's a weird feeling knowing that it's not around right now. It'll come back. It'll come back. It's it, you know, give it five years and just like uh, you know, the Avengers at the end of Avengers Endgame, they'll come back. And I know that for sure because it's it's there are two things that are guaranteed in life: taxes and uh, the return of SIUC's chapter of Forest Club. And it's good. I think. I- I think it'll come back with a vengeance, too, after we got robbed of our uh, home turf conquest. And to any of my listeners here who go to University of Wisconsin, Stevens Point, and you're in the Forestry Club up there, just know that sleep with one eye open because we're coming back. You know, I've <laughs> met a few guys who have gone up to UW-Stevens Point. And they might be big, muscular men, but the only thing they're going to do is chucking wood. And you know what? If you're a guy who goes to Stevens Point and you find a fence in that, feel free to chuck a log of wood through my apartment window because I guarantee you'll miss. You don't have good accuracy. 
You know, uh, UW, uh, not UW, but our uh, forestry club, our nice little plot of land is a nice place to chase your uh, newly gotten dog around, Austin. Yes, it is. Yeah, that is a uh, pup you haven't had for too long who does not listen and takes off sprinting into the uh, unmanaged automobile. Absolute thicket of automobiles. Yeah, absolute mess. Uh, Austin, do you remember Maverick? Of course Sweet, I do. sweet Maverick. He did, he did <laughs> oh, yeah. the same uh, shit. Maverick was sucker as a <laughs> bloodhound. Just took off. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, Sparrow has yeah. gotten better with his ever-growing age, but when I got him when he was two and a half, he had no sense of authority to anything, and that man would take off running. I'm, I would follow him for miles trying to catch One him One of down. the best catch days, I remember, it was just you and I out there, Austin, and it was in the weird, uh, ungoverned spot of – Fall 2019 Forestry Club, and we were just kind of waiting for people to show up out there at our uh, uh, Forestry Club practice site. Uh, you and I were just hanging out. We were talking, and Spyro went off the leash, and he was actually being really well-behaved. And all of a sudden, something caught his eye, and he went off running through the woods. So you and I went off yep. through like, uh, research stands of trees for foresters. We went off through absolute thickets of autumn olive, and... We just try to find your sweet doggy. Yeah. Yeah. We I mean, I don't know how long we we're searching for him. It wasn't terribly long, but it was it was long enough to where uh he uh got chained up for the rest of the day. And you know, um I know we're talking a lot about uh Autumn Olive here, and I feel like we owe some folks at home a quick little free tidbit of advice. Gentlemen, uh if I were to say autumn olive is a native grower or an ex- exotic grower, exotic invasive, what would you say? Exotic invasive. All That's day. right. That son of a gun, autumn olive is invasive. If you see any green growth in your understory, you got to go ahead and get that son of a bitch out of there. It'll go ahead and uh, just choke your understory, make it harder for uh, you know yourself to go through there. If you're a hunter and you're, going through some greenery in the middle of winter when everything else has lost its leaves and this plant that you're trying to get yourself through is full of leaves, that's autumn olive, and I can guarantee you you'll feel a lot better if it's off your property. Hey, don't forget about autumn, autumn olive's ugly. Oh. Bush honeysuckle can go fuck itself in my opinion. There's no argument there. You know, it's not like it's bad being invasive. I mean, you know, it's as far as invasives go, invasive species of plants, there are some pretty bad ones out there. You got kudzu that'll go ahead and reclaim a property within two days and just cover it with leaves and vines and make it impossible to get into or out of. Uh, you know, the only redeemable factor of autumn olive that I can think of, it has wildlife value. You know, it grows berries, and that's that's about all I can think of that's positive for it. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Autumn olive is also... But autumn olive is also a nice examination right out of your soil going for it. Make it a little more stable, I guess, if you want to call it that. I think my studies kind of, you know, when you're on your phone throughout all of your forestry classes, it doesn't really do you well for your classes. Well, in agroforestry, one of the big ones is planting black walnut alongside autumn olive. 
because autumn olive will put the nitrogen in the soil, and then the black walnut's supposed to grow better. But as you can tell, well, we got a lot of greenery in the winter out. there. Basically, if you were to look out, yeah. we got a lot of bushes that look like they're still mm-hmm. alive in the middle of the winter, which is not what you want. It looks pretty, but let me tell you, as a common homeowner, if you see a lot of greenery in your understory, if you own at least an acre, you got a problem. Yo, my management plan says get all that autumn all of the hell out of there. Austin, are you about oh. to make a simile or a likeness to Kurt Cobain? I'm sorry, what was that? I thought I heard you say before Tucker took over from you. I thought I were about I was about to hear you say something about Kurt Cobain and comparing that to Autumn Olive. I don't believe I was, but I also forgot what I was gonna say because the uh Well, I've had a decent amount of whiskey so far. Hey, uh I'm about to pour myself another shot of whiskey here before we go into this ad break. Before we go into this ad break, and the possibility of even getting a single advertisement that is not anchor.fm, the best way to make a podcast. Uh, if we can get a whiskey uh, advertisement on this podcast, what are you guys drinking and why would you like to have it on uh, advertising Tall Tom's Thought Train? What are you drinking and why would you have it on there? Well, I'm currently drinking Flannery's, and it reminds me of my my time studying in Ireland. And let me tell you, the bottle says rich, smooth, and mellow, and I have to agree. And I know Tucker's uh, drinking his Crown Vanillas. Tucker, would you like if you were if you could say one thing at all to the people at uh, Crown? What would you say? Goddamn right! <laughs> all right, so we're gonna sit here. You know, I'm going to take this shot of Old Smoky. Uh, what does it say here? What's it say in the fine print? Old Smoky, Tennessee, straight from Gatlinburg, uh, mango habanero whiskey. I'm going to take a shot here. I'm going to try to stay silent for five seconds while we sit here quietly through an ad. So uh, here's me talking at a different volume about our favorite way to make a podcast, Anchor.fm. Oh, God. Yeah. No, no. That is way too strong. Holy. <laughs> It's not the strength of the whiskey. It's the, it's the habanero part of it. Hey, I, I want to circle back here, just like Biden's press secretary. Um, oh, now oh, no. we're in there. <laughs> um, when you said Gat, when you said Gatlinburg, man, that town is not all it's cracked up to be. I'm sure Austin. I'm sure Austin talk about Gatlinburg. I've been doing a lot of me up on this that. first half pre-ad. I've never been to Gatlinburg. I know you guys have had some great stories there. Go ahead, take over while I uh, recoil from this vodka. Vodka? Oh my god! You know, yeah, Tucker. <laughs> I had a, a great time with all the boys in forestry in Tennessee, but I'll tell you what, Gatlinburg was an extreme disappointment in every way, shape, and form. Was it a disappointment because we got done hiking like 14 miles and we're all like, like hobbling down the like main road, just like looking at random stores and been like, well, that could that could have been it. It could have been the what really did for me was the promises of I, I I'm an I'm a knife collector. I collect a lot of uh uh just interesting unique knives and the promises of a huge knife collection was made to me and I was met with uh gas station knives and it was it was just it was disappointing oh. in every 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 way so i've heard that pigeon forge is the better place to go visit in tennessee because it's not as uh 
touristy trap. As, oh, it sounds yeah. like a road trip for the boys. You know, I heard a bit about uh, Gatlinburg back when some fires were raging through there. Was Gatlinburg the town that was destroyed by wildfires a few years back? Okay. Mm-hmm. So like Pigeon Forge, was that – you guys were down there. You were doing some studying. Was that relatively untouched by the fires? It's, yeah. Yeah, Pigeon Forge mm-hmm. is like 25 minutes from Gatlinburg, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, it's basically the same thing as Gatlinburg. It's kind of, you know, bigger. we learned a lot. And for those of you who are not as educated as we are when it comes to uh, national parks, because right, you know, Gatlinburg is right outside of the Great Smoky uh, Mountains National Park, if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of national great. parks have their own gateway communities. You know, if you've been to Zion National Park, you have uh, Springdale. If you've been to the Grand Canyon, I can't remember what town it is right outside of there because I wasn't really... It was very cold when I went to the Grand Canyon, so I was not happy there. Yeah, if there's one way to make Tom of Tall Tom's Thought Train very unhappy, just throw me in a freezer for about five minutes and I'll be pretty upset. Uh, and then you got, of course, uh, Estes Park over in Colorado. You got a number of gateway communities, communities that just thrive off the tourism that are brought in by these national parks, these beautiful postcard sites. You know, you would take a picture anywhere in this park and it looks like it would go on a postcard. So Gallenberg was just like, hey, welcome to Gatlinburg. Go fuck yourself. We got some gas stations and a couple of Waffle Houses. That is that, was that it? No, I mean, I would say everything about Gatlinburg is yes. in one single street. I mean, you basically walk down to one end and walk back the okay. other, and it was just... Yeah, you can buy... Nothing uh, special. Well, there was a bunch of like candy shops and then stores that sold... Poorly made knives and airsoft guns. You know, I would. You know, yeah. street, there was there was tacos. one leather shop that I remember was nice. I was about to say there are two things that are guaranteed in life, and I was going to circle back to what I said earlier with an asterisk. I was going to change what I said earlier. There are now three things that are guaranteed in life, not at all related to what I said earlier. Uh, this is now updated as of eight forty nine p.m. This. January 29th of our Lord 2021. There are three things that are guaranteed in life. One, taxes. Number two, candy shops and tourist traps. You'll always get a candy shop, some sort of place that has their own fudge, some sort of place that has their own homemade quote unquote candy. Um, and number three is, uh, well, just cheap gas station knives. All of them are all of them are disgrace. You know, one of the first knives I bought in my adult life came from an Ace Hardware store, and it was not a very good knife. It was absolutely abysmal. I had a well, I bought it when I was about to start working at my first uh, government job in uh, parks, and it just uh, it didn't last me long. As a matter of fact, that knife. Uh, it broke in half, so one half broke off, the handle broke off, and the other half was a handle and a blade, and the blade stuck out a lot further than the handle. So I could have easily uh, cut myself. I don't know what to do there. But what I've realized between your likeness of Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and my time out west in Zion National Park, Springdale, Utah, has always been a place I've always wanted to visit. 
I have read a lot about Zion National Park. It was one of my favorite parks to visit when I was out west. And I didn't really have a lot to say about the town outside of it, outside of Zion National Park. It was all on one street, which is about right when it comes to, you know, a town in the middle of the desert in a, you know, the southwest corner of Utah. But it was a bunch, it was like three or two or three candy stores, a bunch of uh, ice cream places, one very good Mexican restaurant that was too expensive for me to go to while I was there, and a decently priced pizza place. But when you're out there, you know, I mean, of course, it's all about the tourists and getting some sort of comfort while you're in the middle of nowhere. But it's also about, you know, making memories while you're there. So when it comes to, like, these gateway communities outside national parks, it's all, you know, you want to make an economic uh, statement. You want to leave a better, you know, quote unquote, carbon footprints. You want to make sure that you're staying green uh, and not affecting the environment and leaving the people who come to tour from, you know, either, you know, if people come from Maryland to visit Zion National Park in Utah, you want to leave them thinking about something while they leave. You know, if somebody comes from Japan, for example, to visit Zion National Park in Utah, you want to leave them with something to think about. But, you know, when the thing that you, when the main takeaway from these tourists and national parks uh, gateway communities and national parks is everything closes at 10 p.m. Everything is, uh, you know, pretty much just a candy store or like a gas station store. And we have about 50 or 5, you know, 15 or 50 of these stores in the middle of our parks. It's, you know, what are you going to do? It's not really making a statement. It's like, hey, we're just trying to grab a dollar. I'll grab, grab a dollar from a number of our uh, tourists. I mean, I'm okay yeah. with that, but I'm also not going to spend money there. That's why I think it's important to go off of the tourist traps and find something that's more authentic to the area. Those are those are definitely going to be the best places. Well, significantly less expensive, too. You know, I have a nice little story here. and I know I've been talking a lot, but I'm going to go ahead and just mention it again. The night before we had our reservations in Zion National Park, we stayed in some Bureau of Land Management land. And this was pretty much on a plateau in the middle of Utah. However, that night, you know, we were, I, I don't know what our exact elevation was, but we had to go up a bunch of uh, double backs and some twisting, turning roads that were not paved. They were not really graveled anymore. The gravel had all washed away and you know, the wonderful Utah rains, anything like that. But we were on the top of this plateau and we had to go down the next day after a bunch of rain. And that was probably one of the best experiences I'd had. We were up in the middle of absolutely nowhere and we're looking up at the sky and there's a sky full of stars. You can see just a little bit of the milkiness of the Milky Way. And it looks absolutely wonderful. And there was so much petrified wood up there. And that's where we learned, like, hey, you know, you can take petrified wood out of the uh, national park. Uh, you can take 25 pounds of petrified wood per day. I've got this wonderful chunk of petrified wood that has its place in my house. It has a nice little spot on my countertop. And I look at it every time I leave my place. And I'm like, that is that was one of the best nights of my life. Just sitting around a campfire in legitimately the middle of nowhere. Um, I just found this nice chunk of rock 
that used to be a tree over a million years ago. And it was absolutely wonderful. However, the next day, we had a rainstorm come in that night. I had the biggest panic attack of all times going down off that mountainside with no roadblocks, no barricades, nothing. It was just the road and a cliffside. Sheer drop, nothing else. I was absolutely panicked. Well, I got daily <laughs> updates of Tom's status. I, I got updates occasionally from <laughs> Tucker's daily updates. Shout out to, again, I'll say it again, Anastasia. Mm-hmm. She was a, well, she is currently Tucker's girlfriend, and she is a wonderful woman, one of the strongest women I've ever met. She was on my uh, summer camp class with me, and I was miserable throughout the whole time. And Anastasia was always there, and she was uh, giving Tucker updates about, uh, the current condition of uh, cold Tom. And if it weren't for Tucker's memes of me, just like leaning against trees and being upset, I don't know what would have gotten me through that time. Tucker does come up with good memes very quickly. Homemade memes, too. Hey, Son of a bitch. Am I fucking drawing into him? I'm going to say yes. Um, I'm feeling it, too. You know, I feel like now's a good time since Austin's been drinking to kind of explain what we Austin, do you want to tell us like and how we you know, enjoy our job. Oh, yourself, but you know, if you've been through, uh, what are some of the worst days at Austin's <laughs> job as a uh, person who prunes trees? All right, so I am not going to give too Don't much away yourself. about Just go ahead and tell yep, where I am, what I do, that kind of stuff. Um, I make man- management plans trees for a company that's all i'm gonna say for that but the worst days i have had was um let's see i've uh i don't know how many times i've been threatened to be shot now um it's it's been many times but i mean uh i i've I've been just threatened nonstop. i've been screamed at about trash trees that grow in unfavorable places uh, that I, I, I ask landowners to give us permission to remove free of charge to them. And it's usually met with a threat for the barrel of a gun or a lawsuit, which I have had people attempt to sue me. Um, but the world of, uh, I know the, the, the worst day I've had is probably just threatening to be shot and then a man going into his house for five minutes and then coming back out and following me to my, to it, to my work truck and then uh, calling the police on me as well. Was this, so this was like during the middle of like a Monday through Friday like this is the middle of your regular work week. Yes. Th- th- this happened, it was on a yeah, Tuesday this- around 10.45 a.m. What would you say you do, Austin? Would you say you're like a... Uh, I'm a kind consulting of utility okay. forester. That's vague. That's vague enough for us to go ahead and keep asking questions. Um, so the biggest question I have is like, you know, it's a Tuesday morning, early Tuesday afternoon, and this guy is... Thr- like, he brings out a gun and he calls the cops on you on a Tuesday afternoon for chopping a tree that's on his property. Like, what do you think that guy did? Well, I know 
we we work with law enforcement almost every everywhere we go because we have people that do pull guns and it's it's not uncommon we have crews that get robbed or shot at pretty frequently i'd say at least once a month but uh, law enforcement usually takes our takes our side but there are times where they just tell us that we need to leave the premises and come back when we have law enforcement with us at that time and our own armed security as well. That, you know, when it comes to a guy who, for your forestry job, you just, you know, you just chop trees and you take your time and, you know, you're just you're doing what's best for the homeowner, whether they like it or not. And you're just taking a chainsaw to a tree, basically, just to prune it in a very professional way to make it still look good and be functional for whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, it seems like a lot of work for the homeowner to come out and just yell at you. It's just time out of their day to be like, hey, you are doing something to my tree that I don't appreciate. When at the end of the day, you're going to maybe chop a limb or two off and they're not gonna, they're, at the end of the day, they're not going to notice it. Yeah, and I know a lot of times once it's initially pruned it doesn't look the prettiest but give it a little bit of time to grow back and it'll it'll you won't even notice any pruning that was done but a lot of homeowners are typically very unhappy to see me but i you will find some occasion occasionally i noticed farmers in particular they love when you when you take down trees on the property because it leaves more room for oh, the yeah. farm um you know i know that I'm at this point in the podcast probably speaking nonsense because I close my eyes and I'm talking and the world is spinning. But yeah, oh, I don't want to talk about this. Um, yes, I'm about to finish off my bottle of whiskey. You know what? As well. If you're about to finish off your bottle of whiskey, let's go ahead and finish off Tom's bottle of whiskey. But would you say that at the end of the day, what you do is better for a the uh, homeowner? who owns the tree, you know, you still have a fully functioning tree in their yard doing its job, uh, cycling nutrients in the ground, and of course giving oxygen back to us. At the end of the day, would you say that you're doing what's best for the tree and not just lopping off limbs of a tree just because you think it's fucking fun? Yes. I would say that we ha- we follow very strict standards for every single tree that we manage. And we, we're, we're not allowed to just go through and uh, I, I know a lot of people that call it hacking off a tree. We, we are not allowed to do that. We have very strict standards and are held to a very high authority for what we do. And at every work that we do is audited by at least three parties. So if you see somebody on your yard and you're a homeowner, Just don't worry. They know what they're doing. Or I'd say at least a quarter of the time, they know what they're doing. Uh, Austin, what do you have to say about that? You know, you know what you're doing. If anybody yells at you, if anybody pulls a gun on you, what are you going to say? You know, for somebody who doesn't know what you're doing on their property, are you doing something that's good or bad? Always good. Always trying to help you. I would suggest going up and just starting a conversation with them. They will be happy to talk to you about what's going on. Um, But... As for whenever it comes down to if it does end up, you know, customers threatening whoever's on your property, 
it will end up in a negative consequence by company standards. We do have to bring armed security on the on the property. But uh, uh, we're always there to help to help you and do whatever we can to benefit all of so us. You're around. telling me it's not a good idea to come out there with a gun immediately and just yell at you and tell you to get off my property. Correct. I've not had I've not had a gun pulled on me yet. So far, it's only been threats to pull a gun. Well, it just sounds like a very boring job. Yeah, yeah not a day of excitement <laughs> ever. It's just that your normal nine to five. Mm-hmm. Tucker, what did you do? What, what what is your life currently right now? Holy fuck! My fucking. <laughs> Are we going from like what my life currently is now, or what it was, and you know, what was my worst summary past this season? You know, what are we talking about? What you did this past season, and uh, what you're looking for right now? What we're, we're all, all jealous, jealous of. of. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be jealous of it. Oh, I can yeah, give, we got about. I can give like the worst. I'd, I'd like to hear. I'd like to hear too, worst and best. Like, can... Nine minutes. Yeah, Go ahead. Yeah. Worst and best. Um... <laughs> What's a hot all right? Well, I guess I'll start off with I was on a hot shot crew this summer. As on a hot shot crew is a specialized crew of wildland firefighters that dig handline, uh, perform perform burns. Just really whatever the agency needs them to be. Um, that's kind of what it turned out to be this summer. Um, yeah, so specialized wildland firefighters that are well-trained, can hike for miles, run for days, that kind of thing. And uh, I was a rookie on the crew. So bottom of the totem pole, you go ahead and take dig a hole, and you go ahead and put me in there. That's where I was on the totem pole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but I I guess I'll start with the best is just getting to know the crew and the camaraderie and just knowing day in and day out that you're just doing this shit job. I, mean, I wouldn't call it a shit job, but it sucks. You're you're working 16 hours a day and there's the reward is getting through it and going, oh, shit, we we actually did that, you know, or like the good days when we're burning. But. Man, there's a lot that I could say about this, but like the best is the camaraderie, the friendship you make, the connection you have with your crew is what I would say is the best part of it. But man, so I'm sure that you guys can relate to this, but we were on, we just got done working seven days on a roll on a desert fire just outside of Reno, which wasn't the most fun. It went from like, we showed up, we I ate it, which is initial attack, and we get there, and it's like 100-acre fire, and then we work all throughout the night, and by the time it's like 10 o'clock the next day, the fire blew up to like 30,000 acres. So, like, everything we did was totally minute, didn't matter, whatever. So we worked on that fire for six days until we got it wrapped. And then this is when the worst part comes in. It's when we got shipped out to the Woodward Fire, which I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys have ever been to California, but it was in a Point Reyes National Seashore. Um, it's a national seashore, so national park, kind of, whatever you would call that. And uh, 
So, where do I even start on this fire? No, I have not. I don't know if you guys have been out west and dealt I with have. poison oak before. Probably not. So, I, yeah, so I don't get poison exactly ivy, but I get poison oak. <laughs> and this place was, yeah, yeah, this place was full of poison oak, uh, brush so thick you'd think you're in a jungle. And imagine that there's a fire out here. So you've got the marine layer coming in every day. You hike in, you get soaking wet. You work no, all you day, you wet, hike you out, you know, sweat wet, or water in and then sweat you, or... like, you know, whatever. Go oh, for it. Sh- Both. So you dry out yep. during the day and then you hike out and you get soaking wet because that marine layer comes back in. So the story of this fire was that the marine layer would lift, fire activity would pick up, everybody to freak out and get out of there. Except our crew, we'd stay in there. And we just dig our line day in and day out, day in and day out, which essentially turned into like Groundhog Day. Like I kid you not, same thing every day, hike in, do the same thing, leave every day. And this was also when I got the news of our friend Cooper passed away. So I was dealing on top of that. Great man. (laughs) Great man. I, I can't say any. I'm still kind of reeling from that, but same thing day in, day out, dealing with Cooper's tragic passing away. And basically, I I say it's like the worst experience I had this summer, but it was Ooh. also the best because that last day we got to tie into the Pacific Ocean. And I guess oh, that man. was kind you know of rewarding itself. That sounds so. like I have talk to you time and time again over the summer and I would always mention like, you know, you're doing something that I absolutely cannot imagine doing. Like, you know, I am not a fit human being. Um, Austin, I don't know about you, Tucker. I mean, you had to be some sort of physically fit to go out there and fight these fires. But going out there, uh, hiking in however many hours you had to go in, uh, digging lines, uh, just doing what you can to stop this fire from going where it goes is a job that I cannot imagine doing. And holy shit, like I have, after hearing what you go through, I have so much more respect of people who are doing these kind of jobs. So I just can't imagine like doing what you did and coming through at the end still with like a clean mindset, a you know unwavering kind of one place is something I can't even imagine. I mean, it's rewarding in its own way, and everybody doing those jobs is just doing it because it's a job. I mean, some people drink the Kool-Aid, you know, but you'll have that. I I can kind of... I'm kind of proud of myself for being on a shock crew, but... At the end of the day, it's a job. And presently, I have my head face mm-hmm. down on my desk because I am fucking drunk. Holy shit. Tom, how much of it have you had drink tonight? No, I noticed my words are starting to get a little bit slurred too at this point. Holy shit. Yeah. 
I was trying to throw in as much. I know that you were taking pauses in between your oh, all your words. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and what well, we have, Tom. Now, what do you do for your job? You, I don't work in forestry. I work that. in the leasing office, and I don't fight fires. I don't cut wood. I don't. Uh, holy shit! I can't even think anymore. Oh my god! Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, um, I talk to people about uh, signing leases in apartment complexes. You know, nothing too special. Um, I'm looking for jobs all over. I was recently told I am not qualified to work a maintenance job. Oh, my God. Holy shit. Yeah. I think so. Uh, who wants to end this podcast? I'm going to go. Yeah. This might be time to yeah. end this podcast. Um, before we end it, do I need to call <laughs> no, an No, I am perfectly fine. It doesn't sound like you're perfectly fine, but I'll take your word for it. All right. Well, I'm going to go sit down by the toilet. Uh, we have 30 seconds in the left. Xbox Gentlemen, party. thank you so much for joining. Would you like to say anything in these last 30 seconds? Yeah. Right. Thank you, Tom. Uh, I'm going to throw my guts out. Yeah. Guys, thanks, thanks for, for joining me. me. And uh, listeners, thank you for joining us for the first drunk cast here on Tall Tom's Thought Train. I'm going to throw up the prayers, <laughs> and I'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Thank you, guys. <laughs>